0: This is a time of year when many of us look forward to it like few other times. Advent, preparation for Christmas, time of traditions, time of great memories from when we were children, time of family and parties and meals. And we are looking forward to this journey here at Covenant and to taking it together. This joyful journey of Advent as we move towards the birth of our Savior. We're looking forward to doing it for you and to celebrating in these traditions together. One of the things that may not be traditional is that we're going to take that journey towards Christmas using the Book of Numbers. Book of Numbers is probably not some place you kind of go to to really get in the Christmas spirit, right? The book of Numbers is the fourth book in the Bible, comes just after Leviticus and just before Deuteronomy. It's not the place most of us go to get in that Christmas spirit, but it's the journey we're going to take this year in a teaching series that's entitled, And the Soul Felt Its Worth. Of course, that title comes from the great Christmas hymn and Christmas carol, O Holy Night, where we sing, and the soul felt its worth. What do we mean when we talk about a soul? It's a word that we use a lot in our language, in our culture, but author Dallas Willard says that the soul is something that is the core essential eternal parts that exist in every single one of us here today. That when God looks at us, he doesn't see a person, he doesn't see skin color, he doesn't see an individual so much as he sees a soul. That part of you that when your body quits breathing here on this earth will live on forever. Willard says that it's the kind of core part of each of us that unites our minds and our hearts and our wills. And Willard says that our souls are needy things. That our souls are constantly searching for where is purpose and where is joy and where is their meaning in our life. And that we are called to know how do we feed our souls. He says that most people seek to feed their souls through all different kinds of activities like work or having the right career or having the right job or having the right uh, partner or having the right person you're dating or having the right children and they're doing the right things. We look to all these things to give our lives meaning. And while Willard says that they're all good, ultimately they're not where the soul finds its worth. Something that's lasting. They're, they're short-term little peaks that we climb to and then we descend again. But then as followers of Jesus, and as, and as we'll sing in O Holy Night, we sing that he appears, Jesus appears, and the soul felt its worth. That it's in our relationship with God. It's in our spiritual life. It's in in journeying with God, every single one of us, which this time of year can be such a great catalyst for. That it's in that relationship that our souls find their worth. So we hope that this Advent journey is a time of, of planning, of preparation, of parties, of great times. But that ultimately this is a time when your spiritual life will come alive and your soul will know its worth. And I promise you it will be a beautiful experience as that happens for each of us. We think that the book of Numbers, when we look at, well, how does that happen? How does our relationship with God make our soul feel its worth? We think that this, these few verses, this priestly blessing from the book of Numbers, tells us a lot about God and how we can live and have our souls find their worth in him. And so this is the scripture passage we're going to look at over the coming weeks of Advent, and it's this. I want you to listen now to God's word to us all today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be kind and gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that this day, no matter who we are, how we walk in here, that we would get a glimpse of you and our souls would be stirred and find their worth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at the first few words of this series of verses, this blessing. We're going to be looking at the first words, which is, the Lord bless you. Next week we'll be looking at, the Lord keep you. But today we're going to just look at these few words, the Lord bless you. And, and I want you to know today that it's a powerful thing to receive a blessing, isn't it? I'm not just talking about one of those things that we do very quickly, even though they have meaning, but maybe before a meal or before we go to bed. But I'm talking about those few times in life when someone pronounces a blessing over us. It is a powerful, indeed, it is a almost mysterious kind of magical thing that can happen. We see that throughout the scriptures of blessings being said over somebody and it has a, a, a unique power and presence to it. Many of you have heard me talk about an individual named Steve Hayner. Steve was somebody who was a very close friend and mentor of mine, who weeks after I moved out here developed pancreatic cancer and, and died in less than a year. The day that Steve died, as he was literally lying on his deathbed dying, he invited each of his three children, one at a time, to come up into his bedroom, one at a time, so that he could have one-on-one time with them. They sat down on the bed, and in the midst of the conversation, Steve, with each one of them, placed his hands on their head and blessed them. Blessed their families. Blessed the lives. Set a blessing over the lives that they would live, that he would not be in this world to see anymore. And almost two years later, his still children... That is still a seminal moment for them. It's a powerful thing to have someone say a blessing over us. And that's what these words are from Deuteronomy. They are a blessing that are said over all of us, over the people. And they are joyful words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be kind and gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We are a blessed people and we see that right here in this book sometimes we're moving too fast to really abide in and to really be thankful for our blessings aren't we we got too much to do too much to accomplish too much to happen and the book of numbers it it, it makes reference to that If if you're not one of those people who spent time this morning pouring through the book of Numbers before you came in here, let me just tell you kind of how it works. The book of Numbers is like, as I said, it's the fourth book in the Bible. And it's the story of what takes place as the people have just been liberated from slavery in Egypt by Moses. Moses has appeared before the courts of Pharaoh. The Hebrews have been in slavery for 500 years. God sends the plagues among the the Egyptians and Moses then leads the people out of slavery. And the book of Numbers is the story between them leaving slavery and before they enter the Promised Land. It's one of those books as they wander for 40 years in the wilderness. And the first six chapters of the book of Numbers where this blessing is found are detailed, maybe almost too detailed accounts of how the people are supposed to travel as they go through the wilderness waiting to go into the promised land. And the book of Numbers is obsessed with the idea that as the Hebrew people are traveling, they need to remember that they're traveling with God. That it's not just like you and I going on a camping trip for a while. That they are camping with God. They are journeying with God. And the God sign was that he was a cloud in front of them and, and during the day. He was a pillar of fire at night that would lead them. But sometimes they would set up camp. And they would stay in a place for a little while. And the book of Numbers says that the centerpiece of their camp, when they would set up camp, was a, a, a tent, a large tent that was known as the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is where the Ark of the Covenant would go in, with the, carrying the Ten Commandments. They would go in there, the holiest place. It was the, the, the dwelling place of God. And, and the book of Numbers describes how when the Ark of the Covenant was in the tabernacle and the people were camped all around it, that the presence of God would actually descend on the tabernacle. They could see it, and then Moses would go in and, and talk to God about what was taking place in the life of the people. And so the book of Numbers spends a lot of time on how do you camp out with God? Right? How do you set up camp so that you don't make God's tabernacle and presence unclean. You don't defile it. So there's all these rules that you have to do. You have to set up the camp this way. The tents have to work this way. The cooking has to happen this way. The food has to happen this way. Hygiene has to happen this way. These are where the tribes are going to be around the tabernacle. When they leave the tabernacle at the end, this is where people will go and this is how things will be torn down. This is how things will operate as they go. It's all these instructions on how the tabernacle functions and how the camping is supposed to work around the tabernacle. How do you set it up? How do you take it down? If you are somebody, if you are an individual who, when you go out of town, maybe you went out of town for Thanksgiving and you make lists of things you have to do that you have to mark off to make sure it's done before you leave, the book of Numbers is like written in your love language. Okay. It is just detailed accounts of do this and it has to happen this way. And this is where you got to go before you leave, before you take up camp, this is everything that has to happen. And then right there, right in these six chapters, right after in these lists of things that have to happen comes this blessing. It's just inserted into the middle of all of these instructions. And it seems weird, right? Because if you're making a list, one of the things you don't do when you want things to happen is interject it with something that doesn't belong. So there's all of these, look, do this, do this, do this. Here's this blessing. Now do this, do this, do this, do this. And it's strange to have this blessing in number six right there in the middle of these instructions. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be kind and gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now do this, do this, make sure you do this, everything else, right? It's, it's different, it's strange, it's, it's odd. Even some academics have felt like maybe it was like inserted there at a later translation. Although there's plenty of evidence that that's not the case. And I think if our souls are going to feel their worth today and begin to feel it, we need to understand why would people find it strange to have this blessing inserted into the middle of all these instructions? Why would translators sometimes go, well, is that supposed to be there? Maybe it was inserted, even though it wasn't. And the reason is because this this blessing works differently than how our minds are conditioned to work. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. In all of our lives, you and I desire certain things. We want to be blessed. We want to have things go well for us. And the way that the world works is you have to earn your way towards rewards. Does that make sense? You have to earn your way towards being, getting a blessing, towards having something happen, right? Take, for example, for those of you who are in middle school or in high school or elementary school, you're, those of you who are college students, you, you have like an honor roll, right? Well you don't walk in, the way you get on the honor roll or the dean's list is you don't walk in on the first day of class and go, hey, I feel like I'm a really smart person. And they're like, oh, are you? Well, let's put you on the honor roll then, right? No, you have to prove yourself, you have to take tests, you have to, you have to show up. If, if you play sports, for example, you play um, gymnastics or, or basketball or football. You know, you don't show up the first day of practice and walk up to the head coach and go, Hey, I feel like I'd be a really good quarterback. And they're like, Oh, perfect. We were looking for that. We're just going to make you the starting quarterback. No, you have to try out. You have to earn your way towards getting that reward. For those of you who are working, you know that when you interviewed for a job, you most likely straight out of school didn't go up and interview to be the CEO of a company, although you've got great ideas, I know you do, about how everything should operate. But usually you have to start out at an entry level, you have to work your way up, you have to show that you have leadership skills, you have to show that you're responsible, you have to show that you can do certain things, and as you demonstrate how good you are, you might receive promotions, you might be, but you have to show that you earn it. That's how we hire people here at Covenant, right? When we're searching for somebody here at Covenant, we don't go out going, hey, who feels like they'd be good at this? We'll just hire you, come on. No, we look for people who have demonstrated that they are leaders and gifted in certain areas in order to hire them. That's how life works. We've become conditioned to think that way. I I don't know if you've heard this, UT has a new football coach, Tom Herman, right? And the way that Tom Herman got hired at UT was that they didn't go out to be the head football coach at a place like the University of Texas, you don't go out and go, hey, raise your hand if you feel like you'd be a good football coach. Doug Kilday, perfect, come on, we're just going to make you the coach, right? You'd probably be great, Doug. I have no idea. But you look like a football player. You look pretty, <laughs> you look powerful, right? The way that they did that is they looked for someone who's like, we think he's got a great record. We think that he's got the ability. He thinks he's shown in certain areas. He's got recruiting ties there. I, don't, I know many of you are like wondering, do we think it's going to work or not? I have no idea. We'll know in a few years if it's the right hire. But they rewarded someone with this great coaching job who had proven themselves. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why it seems weird that in the middle of this list of to-dos is this blessing. Because we are accustomed as people to, blessings come at the end. Give me the list. And if I do everything that I'm supposed to do, then the Lord will bless me. Then the Lord will keep me then the Lord will be kind and gracious to me. But give me the things I've got to do on my end to receive those blessings. And here's the thing friends, and I know that we all know that this is true. Living with that mindset, this idea that to be rewarded, to be blessed, I have to prove myself, I have to earn it, it creates a mindset that is prevalent in many of our lives and prevalent in our culture which is that we never actually feel blessed. We're constantly waiting for the next thing to happen, so that then we really feel blessed. And all those people that put on Facebook over Thanksgiving, and I did it too, I actually posted on Facebook, Thanksgiving, you know, feeling blessed. What happened is you put it on Facebook and then you saw what other people were doing and you're like, wow, that looks like a really great Thanksgiving, right? I mean, we had like four people together. They had like 18 people and they look so blessed and they're so happy and everyone's smiling at every photo. That's what Thanksgiving's supposed to be. We thought we had a great turkey. That on the green egg, that someone, that's a Thanksgiving turkey, right? <laughs> We never feel at peace because we're constantly comparing ourselves with other people. We're constantly achieving our dreams and then when we achieve our goals we look out and all we see are more mountain ranges to go and climb. So we go climbing again and climb it again. And we see other people as competition. Because we look at them going, oh man, well they must have it figured out. They must feel happy. They must feel blessed. If my life looked more like that or if I could do those things, the ironic part is none of those people that you look at as successful and blessed, they don't feel content either. They're all looking at somebody else going, well if my life looked more like that or if my marriage looked more like that or if my kids were able to do more like that, then everything would be better. We're constantly in this state of anxiety and comparison and competition. Because we're waiting and waiting to earn enough, to achieve enough, to do enough to be able to say, hashtag I'm blessed. <laughs> and I feel it. And I can abide in it. The ironic part, and that's why it seems weird that this blessing's right there in the middle of these lists. Give me the list and what I'm supposed to do so I can achieve it. And here's the thing here's the amazing part your soul will never feel its worth that way. You're constantly going to be looking for the next thing. And it's a never ending cycle. The game is fixed from the beginning, but we keep playing it. Maybe this time I'm going to really feel it. If I get this thing done, I get this. There's something powerful about how the Lord sets up this blessing in the book of Numbers to say, I'm going to put right here in the middle of all the to do lists, just a reminder to you in the middle of it of that you are blessed. A contractual relationship and how our mind works in the world is if I do these things, then I'll receive the Lord. And the Lord's going, no, no, this isn't a contract, this is a covenant. This is a whole new way of being. I'm not asking, did you do everything on the list? And how does it compare to how Harold did it? and how, I'm just saying you are blessed because your blessedness is not a result of something you achieve. Being blessed as a follower of Jesus, we understand, it's not about something you achieve through your obedience to the law. That our obedience to the law comes because God declares we are blessed. Because God says we are loved. These are the origins of grace right here that we see in the book of Numbers. That you can't earn your way to God being kind and gracious to you. God just is because it's who God is. And so we have to change the way that we see our lives rather than playing this constant game of earning our way towards blessedness, towards reward, towards life looking the right way, we need to develop as an alternative community here in Austin, Texas, the ability to see and receive and dwell in our blessedness every day, every day. We need to understand and celebrate that God is blessing all of us now whether you're having a good day or not, and that should make your soul feel worth something. Because God loves you that much and values you that much. Let me give you an example of what I mean of this alternate way of seeing our lives as blessed people versus as people who have to earn it. I shared with you all uh, a number of weeks ago that this church has been honored in a very unique way. We've been honored by being invited to be a part of a learning cohort of three churches in Texas being run by a seminary in California called Fuller Theological Seminary. It's a process that is gonna, over the next two years, invite every single person in this congregation to come and ask themselves, what does it mean to live as a Christian in Austin, Texas in this year? We're doing it with two other churches. It's this amazing learning thing that we are gonna participate in doing. And so to begin, a number of weeks ago, six of us, they wanted six people from each of the three churches there were four of us on staff and two lay leaders who went to participate in the first retreat to kick the whole thing off. Now, here's what happens. The mindset of the world is how churches work, or at least it's how pastors work, right? What happens is you get there with these churches and it's like, well, what are you guys doing and how many people go to your services and what are, you know, all this kind of stuff and like, well, what's kind of happening there? It's, there's all this way. It's no different than anywhere else where it's like, well, what have you achieved and what are you doing and how's that working and how does that make me? And you hear certain things and you're like, man, that's a good idea. We should have thought of that, right? And then you hear other things where you see what you say, what you're doing, and you see the look on their face and they're like, "Eh, that's a good idea. And you're like, yes, right? We did that. We came up with that. We're achieving that. We're seeing these things happen. It's all this ranking of reward and competition and how do I stack up and how do I see myself? And over the course of these days, and these days were, as I shared before, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to it because I had been in the midst of three weeks of travel in a row. Probably more accurately, my wife was not excited for me to go away for the third week in a row on a trip, but we had to. And so I went kind of dreading this thing, and then there's the competition, and then there's blah, 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 and I'm tired. And on the last day, and it was an amazing retreat, I can't wait for this to kind of roll out to the rest of the congregation over the coming months. But on the last day of the retreat, they gathered us for, and you guys, and I know you would love this, but it was like a two-hour worship service, and you're like, like who's preaching because I don't want it to be boring right like who's going to be doing this but all it was was a service of blessing we had to sit the 18 participants 6 from each church in a circle and we had to go around and have a few people in the group look at each individual person and take a couple of minutes to look at them and say I want you to know how you have blessed me during this time here. And it was hard because it wasn't like you could spend five seconds doing it, right? It wasn't like, Doug and Theus, you're great people, thanks for blessing me. You know I mean? I can say that, and you are, and I mean it, but I can say that regardless and then move on with life, right? You had to stop for like two minutes and go, Doug and Theus, the ways that you do these things, the way that you've conducted yourself, the way that you have prayed for me, the way—these are all the different things that have blessed me through your being there. And it was sort of uncomfortable at first, right? It was mostly uncomfortable when you're the person sitting there. I'm sure you may have just felt really uncomfortable then, yeah. That you know, you sit there and you're like, God, the people are just talking about me for a couple of minutes, and so it was awkward. But as it went on, people got more used to it. They got more into looking at each other and going, you have blessed me in these ways. Now, one of the things in any kind of setting that you need to know about me is that I am not much of a crier. I don't cry a lot. And that's not like I'm too tough for it, I'm too manly, I don't believe in any of that stuff, crying is perfectly acceptable, manly, everything else. I just personally don't cry as much as other people, right? You can get in settings, other people crying, I get the emotions, I feel the emotions, I just don't cry, right? Sitting in this circle, I wept, wept, openly wept, not at what anybody said about me and not about what I said about anyone else. You know what I wept at? I wept at how the other five people from Covenant were described by the group. I wept, and this will make her uncomfortable, I wept when they described Jill, our associate pastor, Jill Williams and they talked about how they, how they were blessed by her presence and the things that she brought into their group and the things that they acknowledged about her. And I sat listening to that going, yes, yes, that is true. Or when they talked about John Wasson or Catherine or Harold or Jan, as each person was described, I sat there and heard people lovingly talk about what a the blessing they were. And the reason I cried was because I sat there with each person and was like, I get to work with these people. How incredible is that? How incredible that I have a life that God has called me to, that I get to work and learn with Jill and John and Catherine and Harold and Jan and so many others of you. And I don't see that every day. I see every day of coming in and what are we going to achieve and what are we going to do and who's going to make this happen and what are we going to do over here and how are we measuring up over there and did you hear what this church is doing and how are we going to do that? I live with the mindset of the world so much of the time and there's no peace in any of that. And it wasn't some artificial high. It was a different way of looking at life. It was a different way of looking at the daily life I live and the amazing blessings that God has poured into my day, day after day after day of the privilege of being a pastor in a church like this. It was an amazing moment of just seeing my life, because I'm used to seeing it here, of seeing it through the blessedness of how every day is, and I just fail to see it most of the time, because I'm so busy doing. That's what it looks like. That's why this blessing is just put right in the middle of these instructions, is to say, you just need to hear this in the midst of your to-dos. You are blessed. The Lord blessed. Blesses and keeps you. The Lord is kind and gracious to you. The Lord lifts up his countenance upon you and gives you peace. So, this week I invite you to feel the worth of living in that way with that different mindset. I invite you this day to consider the blessings that are a part of your life, most of which you have not earned and yet are lovingly given to you by God. I invite you to sit long enough to abide in that and appreciate it. And then I invite you this week to name it with somebody, to do what we had to do on that fuller retreat, to look at the people that that bless you and to take the time to look at them in the eyes and to say, I need you to hear what a blessing. I live with you every day or I'm around you. or I don't tell you, I don't say, I need you to hear. How I am blessed by you. Not just for their sake, but for your own. Because it changes us when we live that way. It changes us when we recognize the blessings in our lives. I came back from this retreat, third week of traveling in a row, expecting to feel tired. And Beth looked at me going, you seem great. I'm like, I feel great. This has been great. Do you realize how incredibly blessed we are? And the soul felt its worth. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask this day that you would remind each of us that we are a blessed people, not because we've earned it, but because of how much you love each of us. Give us eyes to see. Give us the patience to to see those blessings and to name them with one another. Give us the ability to allow our souls to come alive and to feel their worth because of all that you pour into us daily. May this be a week of joy and gratitude and thanksgiving because we all have been blessed so richly by you. We pray for this and give thanks that you would give us Hearts that are grateful this week and always. In Jesus' name, amen.